Hebrews 9.27, please, in your Bible. Hebrews 9.27. This wonderful verse in one of the more difficult books of the Bible to understand. Uh, I've not only written a book on it, but I disagree with my book again. (laughs) And um, I'm going to, Lord willing, uh, find a place to teach uh, because our Calvary Chapel Tustin has been sold. So pray for that congregation also that they might find a place to meet. And I'm no longer teaching on Monday night there, but we're working on a place now and hope to begin a new series on the book of Hebrews. This is a very unusual book as it focuses on a lot of questions that people have. The arguments are whether or not the Jewish people who obviously are involved, because the name of the book is To the Hebrews, A pastor called me once and said, who is the book of Hebrews written to? I said, what did you say? He said, it's written to Jewish people. He said, are they saved or unsaved? Both. You're sure? Absolutely. I'm so positive that I'm going to do another series on it to make sure that my first understanding was correct. It's about the Messiah of Israel. It connects him with the name Melchizedek. Melchizedek is a priest, a high priest. After his order comes the Messiah, for he's not like other priests who die. He is, according to the Bible, continuing forever. He is our high priest, and we thank the Lord for that. But in this book of Hebrews... There are a lot of just strange statements. This is one. It's appointed, it says. It's appointed unto man. Men wants to die, but after this, the what? All God's people. The judgment. Divine appointments. We talked about it in our first message in this conference. Divine appointment is like what is in 1 Thessalonians 5. According to the Bible, God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Yeshua. The fact of the matter is, we will not be going through the tribulation. If I ever needed a reason for a pre-tribulational viewpoint... It would be that. God has not appointed me to wrath. And in the context, he's referring to the day of the Lord, used 25 times and referring to the tribulation. We will not be going through the tribulation. People have asked me in this conference, several of you have, well, will people get saved in the tribulation? Yes, they will. Well, how are they going to get saved? Well, there'll be two witnesses who are the best two God has, Moshe and Eliyahu, Moses and Elijah. I told that to a uh, Jewish Hebrew friend of mine who uh, had uh, a synagogue in our area, and I was having lunch with him, and I told him about Moses and Elijah coming back, 
And I said, what do you think about that? He said, David, if Moses and Elijah come back, many of us are going to believe. But there's also going to be 144,000 Jewish evangelists spreading the gospel all over the world. And the Bible says that the number of Gentiles, you can't even number it. It's going to be so many out of every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. And all God's people said. But we won't be there. But there are going to be people saved, many of them martyred during the tribulation. But the Lord is going to resurrect them. Don't worry about it. Heaven is going to be quite a place. I don't know if they have cars. I hope not. The traffic would be terrible. (laughs) So I want to take that verse again. It's appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. He wrote it to believers and also to unbelievers. So let's start by looking at our physical death. Our physical death is a divine appointment. Once to die. Let me break this down for you and I hope it will bring a lot of understanding to our hearts. We have a friend in the ministry. In fact, her husband was an employee of mine for many years. Wonderful man. And uh, her daughter, who's only in her 40s, just died of a heart attack this morning. And I thought again, boy, we need to understand this. Physical death is a divine appointment. That's what the Bible says. So let me get you going here by looking at several things. Number one, our physical death involves life that began by a decision of God. Amen? Amen. It began by a decision of God. Genesis 1 says, and God said, let us make man after or in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female. Oh, I'm sorry. There's only two. And in California schools now say there's 67 But when you ask them to name them, nobody has an answer. Well, it's real simple. There's only two. Two genders. Male or female. Why don't you just look at the person next to you and decide, is it male (laughs) or female? You see, this began by a decision of God, not the federal government. Number two, our physical bodies were developed from the dust of the ground. Wow. In fact, there are 16 chemical elements of the soil in the human body. And we read in Genesis 2, 7, that the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life And man became a living soul. Genesis 3.19 says, 
In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Well, since I'm going to heaven when I die, absent from the body, present with the Lord, um, the Lord can have the body. Amen? Just don't love yourself. I mean, it isn't worth it. Okay? And besides, a lot of us know that you do need to change. (laughs) Amen? Well, this is kind of interesting and brings me to a third point. Our soul, which the Bible calls, was designed for two kinds of life. Please listen to me carefully. This is one of the greatest misunderstandings of church people who really are not sure of their relationship to God because they don't understand what God did in putting into man's nostrils the breath of life. What am I talking about? Well, if you know the Hebrew text, you know that the Hebrew word is plural, not singular. He breathed into our nostrils the breath of lives. It was both physical and spiritual life. That's why when God said to Adam, if you take of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in that day you will die. But as we know, he did not die physically. But according to the Bible, he died spiritually. And as in Adam all die, even so in our Messiah shall all be made alive. The point is, our soul is designed for two kinds of life. And there's so many people that sit in our churches that all they know is the physical life. They think that's all there is. No. No, you also have a spiritual life. But according to the Bible, that spiritual life is spiritually dead before you come to the Lord and are born again. One of the serious points that people do not get and understand. Your spiritual life is dead before you are ever born again. And that's so important to understand. And it was the result of God's breath. The fourth thing I want to draw to your attention is that the day of our physical death is designated as God's timing. Hello? Maybe you're saying in our heart, I wonder if David knows when it is. I don't know when it is. I've thought for years that God must have a purpose in why I'm still here. The only thing I can figure is we need more Bible teachers. And even old guys who know the Bible need to be teaching. I want Bible teachers, amen? I want to come to church and hear the Bible, the whole Bible, and nothing but the Bible. Now, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, we find out the answer to this question. It says, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. Amen? Amen. So the day of your physical death is designated as God's timing. It's appointed unto man once to die. And that's what that verse says in Hebrews 9, 
27. Now number five, continuing our study of this issue. Our life in the Bible is described by three words, spirit, soul, and body. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23, the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Yeshua HaMashiach, or Jesus Christ. So you have a spirit, you have a soul, and you have a body. But according to the Bible, like in Ephesians 2, verse 1, before we are born again, our spirit is spiritually dead. We are dead in trespasses and sins. But praise God, he has an answer for us. And too many people sit in church knowing they have a physical body and maybe even understand a little bit about the soul. Psyche is really referring uh, to what psychologists call the real person. And that soul has intelligence, it has emotions, it has will. And in my book on the God of the Bible, you learn that there are many personality characteristics that are, according to the Bible, a part of your soul and my soul. Your soul makes you understand that you're a unique individual because often you'll find somebody that might look like you. And in body appearance, they might look like, but twins can be totally different in personality. That is, their souls are different. Well, you're in a bad way if you're not born again because the spirit, which is life and a responsive factor to God himself, is dead. It does not function until you are born of the spirit of God. I think that's probably one of the neglected teachings of the church in our day, and that is being born again. Now, this is not something to fool around with. You either are or you aren't. And by the way, you can't cause it to happen yourself. It has to come from the Holy Spirit of God. Here's an interesting thing. Number six, when we die physically, our spirit and soul have departed from the body. For the Bible says in James 2.26, the body without the spirit is what? The body without the spirit is what? We need more action from you just to be sure that you're alive. Okay. When we depart from our body through physical death, no matter what the means are, as believers, because we've been born again, we are immediately, according to the Bible, present with the Lord. The other day, a very interesting Bible teacher said that a friend of his who died, he watched his spirit slowly lift out of his body, and he went outside to watch it continue to heaven. Well, you know right away that he's a heretic. Um, that's not going to happen to you. When you die physically, immediately, 
you're with the Lord. Amen? Amen. And by the way, that is better than anything you're experiencing right now. A lot better. And the Bible says so. Even uses the word better over and over again in the book of Hebrews to describe what it's like to be in the presence of the Messiah of Israel. Born again of the Spirit of God. Well, here's number seven. Our salvation, it's determined by the fact of our being born again. Wow. Well, you know, I asked Jesus to come into my heart. So, how do I know that that was a real event in your life? Well, by their fruits you shall know them. Too many people say they've accepted Jesus in their heart, but they have not shown any difference in their lifestyle. You know that and I know that. And sometimes it happens within your own family, even among your kids. Are they really born again? The Bible teaches that to be born again is to be born of the Spirit. Uh, Yeshua, our Lord Jesus, met with a ruler of the synagogue named Nicodemus. He came to him at night, so nobody would know. And our Lord said to him, before he ever got his argument out, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So I'm not here to play games with you. I'm a Bible teacher. I'm going to say what God says, no more, no less. Amen? Amen. Therefore, are there people sitting in our churches who, in fact, will not see the kingdom of God? The answer of the Bible is yes, there are. In fact, the Lord said in Matthew 7, you may say, Lord, Lord, and you may have done many wonderful things in his name, but he's going to say to you, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Uh, He never said, I knew you once, but you lost it. No, he said, I never knew you at all, even though you think you're saved. Wow, that's awesome. Well, Nicodemus, being a brilliant man, a chief ruler of the Sanhedrin, he said, wait a minute, how can a man be born when he is old? Good question. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So he obviously didn't get it like many of us don't. Yeshua answered and said to him, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. A lot of arguments about that. Is he talking about water baptism uh, or is he just talking about being born in a mother's womb and water there and all? Well, let's keep reading. He said, unless you're born of water and of the spirit, you can't enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is what? Flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So fundamentally, the Lord answers the question as to what is meant. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. And now he gives him an illustration. The wind. The wind. 
Uh, it blows where it wants to, and you can't hear the sound thereof, and you can't tell where it comes or where it's going. So is every man that is born of the Spirit. Wow. It's appointed in a man once to die, and after this a judgment. If you're not born again, the judgment's going to be different than what you think. Wow. So let me get to that better. We're talking about the divine appointment to death and to judgment. The judgment of God is a divine appointment. Wow. Number one, it will take place after we die. You may want to be judged for all the wonderful things you have done, but God knows what the motive was and what the reason was, whether you were truly glorifying God or yourself. And according to Hebrews 9.27, our verse of the morning, it's appointed by God, once to die, and after this, the judgment for both believer and unbeliever, as we will look at in a moment. The second thing I'd point out to you is the judge of all people, whether believers or unbelievers, will be the Messiah of Israel, our blessed Lord Yeshua. One man who didn't want to accept my message about the Messiah said, well, I'll wait for the Father's judgment. I said, well, you're going to wait a long time because the Father doesn't judge anyone. What? He's called the judge. Well, he is, but you should know John 5.22. The Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the what? The Son, the Messiah. In John 5.27, the father says of his son that I've given him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. He knows human life by personal experience. Wow. Well, what is it talking about? Well, let me start by assuming that you're a believer and assuming you're going to die today. How's that for a comforting message for Sunday morning? Let's suppose that you drop dead on the way home. What judgment are you going to have? And the third thing I point out to you is that all true believers are going to be judged at what is called the judgment seat of the Messiah, our Lord. Now in Romans 14, we read this. Why do you judge your brother? Why do you set it not your brother? We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Messiah. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. That's what the Bible says. I like what one pastor who has written a book on the whole subject, I like what he says in that book. He said, it's a great misunderstanding of a lot of true believers that they don't need to give account of themselves to God. God is going to ask of every one of us, 
what we have done. In 1 Corinthians 3, 11 to 15, we read this. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Yeshua HaMashiach, or Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, publicly displayed, for the the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try or test every man's work of what sort it is. Our God is a consuming fire. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. In 2 Corinthians 5.10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Messiah, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, Be careful, watch out. Whether it be good or bad. And a lot of us don't want to hear that. One man said to me, well, I don't really believe that's going to happen because he's going to wipe all tears from our eyes. I said, well, let me give you a possibility that your tears before him are because he is exposed what you have really done. Well, I'm born again, I'll be the... Yeah, but all believers are going to appear before the judgment seat of the Lord. Wow. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he is tried, tested, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Wow. But that brings me to number four. All unbelievers will also be judged. It's appointed, it's a divine appointment, once to die, but after this a judgment. Well, that's for believers, isn't it? Yes, but there's another judgment for unbelievers. Well, what's that called? It's called the Great White Throne. And guess who sits on it and judges all unbelievers? The Messiah of Israel, the very one they rejected on earth or ignored. Wow. All unbelievers? If you want to, turn in your Bibles to Revelation 20 and look at verses 11 to 15. A lot of people don't want to hear this. I know that. But I still believe in teaching the Bible, the whole Bible, and nothing but the Bible. It's what God says, not what I say. It says in Revelation 20, verse 11, I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before who? God. There's another statement that proves the Messiah is God. 
and the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books. Is God really writing down things you have done and said? Yes, he is. The sea gave up the dead which were in it. Death and hell, that's Hades, the place of the unseen, the temporary abode of unbelievers waiting for the final hell. Wow. The dead that were in the sea are brought forth. The death and Hades delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their what? Their works. When people say, well, I think I, I've done a lot of good works for God. Whoa, wow. If I were you, I'd be careful. He's going to judge all your works. And if you're an unbeliever, you aren't going to want to hear it. And the Bible continues that death and Hades, the place of the dead awaiting judgment, the death and Hades were cast into the lake of what? The lake of fire. This is the second death. Wow. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I'm telling you as a preacher of God's word for all of these years, over 60 years of preaching regularly, I'm telling you that there is a hell. We wrote a little booklet called Heaven and Hell, Do They Really Exist? And it's amazing the results that have come back from that book. Little booklet. I think there's still a few on the table, not many. But there are people who say, well, I don't believe in hell. Well, you will the first day you're in it. Cast into the lake of fire? I don't want to confuse you by any means. So I'm going to tell you the truth about what I feel as I read these passages. I don't know where it is. But I could spend an hour or more showing you passages that seem to reveal hell in the center of the earth. Many of you have probably heard of stories that those geologists digged deep and apparently heard the screams of people. Well, I'm not even going to trust that. All I know is that God, according to his word, has a lake of fire into which people will be cast if they have never been born again are not in the book of life. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6 says, seeing it's a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you and to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Yeshua shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and they that Obey not the gospel of our Lord Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord, 
from the glory of his power when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Listen, friends, there is a hell. We're not sure where it is, but it's a lake of fire. And the Bible says it's everlasting punishment. In Matthew chapter 24, the last verse of a discussion about the judgment of nations as to how they've treated Israel during the tribulation, we read in verse 46 of Matthew 25, these, meaning the goat nations, shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. And I had a well-known Bible teacher tell me that he didn't believe that hell was forever. And I said, well, what about that verse? He said, well, there are two different words. There's everlasting punishment, but there's eternal life. One is temporary and the other is eternal. I said, well, that's a real nice try, but apparently you're not a Greek scholar and not even close to it because the word everlasting and eternal is the same Greek word. If we're going to live forever, there are going to be folks in hell forever. I don't want my children or my grandchildren to go to hell. Do you? So it is the main prayer I make every single day. Oh God, save my children and my grandchildren. You see, I know what the Bible says. And the Bible is replete with the evidence that hell will be forever. And I don't want anybody to go there. So I consider my ministry is to keep folks out of there. If you are born again of the Spirit of God, you will have everlasting life. You will be with the Lord forever. You're going to be resurrected. You're going to have a brand new body fashioned like on our Lord's body. And it's going to be a blessing. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Heaven is better, according to the book of Hebrews, better than anything this life can offer. The illustration of Moses is classic. He even esteemed the reproach of the Messiah as greater riches than all the treasures of Egypt, which were at his disposal, but he wanted them not. Why? Because he had his eyes on the living God. He believed what God had to say. I don't know about you, but I know if the Lord tarries his coming, I'm going to die and so are you. And it's a divine appointment once to die. But if you are not born of the Spirit, there is a second death coming at the great white throne judgment when, according to the Bible, you will be judged for your failure to trust the only one who can save you. And you will be cast into the lake of fire. That's what God says. I don't want you to go there. You say, what must I do to be saved? A jailer 
said that to the Apostle Paul. And Paul answered, Believe on the Lord Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Amen? Amen. There's only one person I have ever known of who can save us from sin, death, and hell. And that's the one who has us under divine appointment once to die, but after this, the judgment. Will you join me, please, in a closing prayer? Father in heaven, a lot of us are trying to run away from the obvious. Try to change it in people's minds. Teach us, Lord, to come back to the authority, reliability, and infallibility of your blessed word. What you say is the truth that will set us free. And Lord, there are so many church people today who are just cruising along thinking everything's okay. But they have never been born as the Spirit of God. Something is really wrong. You warned us over and over again. Even the disciples of our Lord were with him for three years, but still never were born again till after his resurrection. Many times they thought they were in the in-group, and they even said they believed things about him. But my friends, the Bible also says that he did not believe in them, yet was patient with them for three solid years. Father, you see the hearts. We don't. You know who has really turned to you, repented of their sin, confessed it to you, and called upon you. Because you said whoever calls upon you can be saved if they truly are trusting in you and depending upon you. And that your spirit will cause that, though we don't see it and can't even understand it half the time. But he will cause you to be different inside. With new goals and new priorities and putting him first. Oh God, help each of these folks to settle that today without fail. We thank you in the blessed name that is above every name. Thank you, Lord, that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord to the glory of God the Father. And it's in the name of our Messiah, our Lord Yeshua, that we pray this. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Once to die, but after this, the judgment. Will you join me, please, in a closing prayer? Father in heaven, a lot of us are trying to run away from the obvious. Try to change it in people's minds. Teach us, Lord, to come back to the authority, reliability, and infallibility of your blessed word. 
what you say is the truth that will set us free. And Lord, there are so many church people today who are just cruising along thinking everything's okay. But they have never been born as the Spirit of God. Something is really wrong. You warned us over and over again. Even the disciples of our Lord were with him for three years, but still never were born again till after his resurrection. Many times they thought they were in the in-group, and they even said they believed things about him. But my friends, the Bible also says that he did not believe in them, yet was patient with them for three solid years. Father, you see the hearts. We don't. You know who has really turned to you, repented of their sin, confessed it to you, and called upon you. Because you said whoever calls upon you can be saved if they truly are trusting in you and depending upon you and that your spirit will cause that, though we don't see it and can't even understand it half the time. But he will cause you to be different inside with new goals and new priorities and putting him first. Oh God, help each of these folks to settle that today without fail. We thank you in the blessed name that is above every name. Thank you, Lord, that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord to the glory of God the Father. And it's in the name of our Messiah, our Lord Yeshua, that we pray this. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.